0: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Country Music Made Me. Thank you so much for joining us once again. If you haven't already, please be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content and also stay up to date on all of our upcoming guests. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform, so if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me, give us a follow, and maybe even leave us a review while you're there. On today's episode, we are excited to welcome Abby Cohn. Now, Abby has been singing for as long as she can remember. She actually started singing the anthem on the rodeo circuit that her parents were a part of, and that moved into the Opry circuit in her home state of Texas. Now at the age of 12 she made her first trip to Nashville and after going back and forth she made the official move at the age of 16. Ever since there she has been chasing a career as a country artist and in 2020 she was able to live out her dream of signing a record deal as she signed with Valerie Music and Big Machine. She is still on the early part of this journey just releasing her debut EP hate me, but it is one that has been an incredible journey already with more great things to come. So please enjoy our conversation with Abby Cohn. Let's go back to the small town of Argyle, Texas, growing up and tell me about your family, what they were like. Were they a very ranching and cowboy driven family?
1: it's actually so funny because I'm at my family's ranch right now oh awesome uh, yeah I'm in Texas in um, in Bluffdale Texas which is like population under a thousand um, so yes I grew up I, I'm the baby of four so I have two older sisters and an older brother and they all grew up rodeoing do you know what you know what rodeoing is yeah um, yeah so they I grew up in a very um Texas family to say the least yeah all my siblings rodeo we would like travel around the country in like different like assorted trailers like living quarter trailers sort of vibe with all the horses and um ironically I'm getting over the fear but I've been really scared of horses most of my life um not scared to be around them just to get on them and ride them um and so I kind of found my place for a long time in my family singing the national anthems at all the rodeos. Oh, okay. Um, that's kind of where like my, I don't know if you knew that about me, but I'm like a national anthem singer. I do the national anthem all the time, at various sporting events. Like I get asked to do it a lot. And that kind of originated in the rodeo world because all my family rodeo. So Yes, my family's very, like, Texas ranchy vibes.
0: And so, where do you think that musicality from within you came from? Because no one in your family really has that, do they?
1: Well, I just figured out the other day that my great-grandmother on my mom's side was, like, a piano player and sang and and then... I've kind of, I, I used to say, no, nobody in my family was musicians, but I've later figured out that there were some like quite musically inclined people in my family. And there's always been a strong like love for music in my family, even though in my immediate family, like my parents really love music. Um, I grew up with my, my dad, you know, like Willie's Roadhouse was on like all the time. And my mom loves like, we were in Chili's last night and the song Brick House came on and she like, like that's like her song. She loves like eighties, almost like disco kind of stuff. So yeah, like no one, no immediate like singers or anything, but like everyone loves music and it was always kind of like a big part of everything. Um, yeah. So I feel like it was just always around
0: and so because you were in front of people singing the national anthem, did the performance side of music always come natural for you?
1: I guess so. You know, I like I, if the first time I sang the national anthem, I was six and it was at a rodeo. It was at like a, a finals rodeo in Fort Worth and there were like twelve hundred people there. And I. I. I, I guess I was kind of nervous and I asked my mom if she would hold my hand and at least walk me out. Like They wanted me to walk out into the center of the arena and sing the national anthem. And right. so I agreed to that, that I needed my mom to hold my hand and walk me out there, I guess. And I think, like, I actually remember it pretty well. Like, I remember... I don't, I know that's really young, but I remember like what I was wearing and, and, and I do remember my mom walking me out there. And I'm assuming that probably since then, like getting that accomplished at such a young age kind of made it easy to do kind of anything past then. Like, I just have this ability to like, I do get nervous. I wouldn't call it like stage fright, but like I get physical nerves but I have I think like most performers there's just like this thing where it's like you just do it you know yeah and I think it started in me at like a very young age just like do it
0: that's awesome and now take me back to the moment I think it was around the age of six as well that you heard Sheryl Crow's the first cut is the deepest and what that moment meant for you
1: yeah I, I was like yeah I think I was like six or seven and um I had this like little like pink radio and I think it was from a CD, like a Cheryl Crow CD. I have no idea how I got a Cheryl Crow CD. But yeah, I just remember like hearing this song and I don't I don't really know what to say other than like I was in my little bed that I remember so well and I was just like sobbing. And I just remember like hearing the lyrics and like crying. And I really don't know what I was crying about, (laughs) but I, yeah, I'm, I, I feel really deeply and I, my emotions are like always right on the surface, you know, like I'm a crier. I'm just like always ready to like burst out in tears. Um, yeah, I just remember feeling really emotional and kind of like, I don't know if I was crying for Cheryl Crow or for me or for anyone. I don't really know, but yeah, I, I remember like really feeling
0: it. <laughs> How does it make you feel thinking back to that moment at six and the power that that song had for you and now thinking to your music and maybe some six-year-old girl sitting there listening to your music and having that same reaction to it?
1: I... I don't. I still am like like someone was covering my song the other day on like Instagram, and it was so like crazy to hear someone singing lyrics that I wrote. You know, like I'm still like getting used to even that like happening, and so, you know, like I my nieces and stuff like listen to my music, and uh, I have I have um, friends that have kids that like my music, but like thinking about like a little girl, like crying to one of my songs makes me, I mean, I, I it makes me feel, I, I don't really know how that should make someone feel. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I would be, I wish if, if I knew that a little girl was like crying to my music, my immediate thought was like, I want to talk to her. Like, I want to like, <laughs> I want to like know why she's crying, you know? Yeah. Um that would be that would be
0: really cute <laughs> when you're in the moment of writing and you're so deep in the mindset of writing and then you write the song and then you have the recording process where you're deep in that is it hard to sort of disconnect yourself from the feelings you have for the song and sort of put yourself in other shoes and how they might feel about the song
1: yes it is because it's so I have just, like, since I've been pretty much, like, 12 years old, when I started writing songs, I've just written songs about things that I've been going through. So, it's still, like, a new, like, even though I have music out in the world, like, I know that people are listening to it. I do know that. But, like, to, 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 like, fully realize that and, like, think about, like, yeah, how people are listening to it and digesting it themselves and putting themselves in that, like, I'm still like that, blo- that still blows my mind. Like, I don't think that I really, maybe like until I like play for a crowd that like sings it and like, I can like, vis- I can have a visual to it, you know, it's kind of like hard for me to grasp. Like, I know people are out there listening to it, but since I can't see them, like, I don't believe that it's happening, you know?
0: (laughs) Right, yeah, exactly. And so let's go back to the days where you were performing and seeing people in front of you and jumping on the the Opry circuit, I guess, in Texas. Talk about that as a youngster and sort of what that entails at that age and going around on that circuit.
1: Yeah, there's kind of the unique little thing here in Texas. I'm not, I mean, I've never heard of it in any other state. I didn't live in any other state than Texas. So I just know what I experienced. Yeah. But there is like live band every kind of like Friday and Saturday, there's multiple different venues around Texas that they call like Opry's and they're like mini little Grand Ole Opry's. And, um, I had, I did kind of like multiple of them, but where I kind of landed the most often was an Opry called the Grapevine Opry. And it was about like 35 minutes from my house. And I started singing there when I was nine. Um, I met my guitar teacher there, who was my guitar teacher. He played bass in the Opry band. His name is Curtis. And he was my guitar teacher from nine to 16 when I moved to Nashville. Um, the owner and lead guitar player was, uh, a guy named Rocky, who was an incredible electric guitar player and acoustic guitar player. And honestly, like Rocky and Curtis, but like the whole, the whole Grapevine Opry band, like allowed me to come on when I was nine and just like from nine to 16, pretty much every Saturday, like I was singing, singing. You know, for live. Uh everything from like uh Patsy Klein to like Rascal Flats, you know, it was just like you just do cover songs. Um so it 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 was like I have such fond memories of that. Um I just I I've always like I love I love writing songs, but I like I love singing so much. I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing when I'm singing. And so the fact that I kind of like got to regularly have that experience from such a young age, I think like it was everything to me.
0: Talk about your first time to Nashville and the feelings within that trip. And at that point, would you have stayed if your parents allowed you to? <laughs>
1: um, so I was 12. Uh, I remember going to the Grand Ole Opry. I saw Ben Skill. um, and I'm a Vince Gill, like, super fan, absolute super fan, um, I went to the listening room, the very first one with all the couches, video one's from Nashville, it was the one with all the couches, and I saw, um, a song around randomly that had, like, Jenny Gill, Vince's daughter in it, and I just remember being, like, really, like, moved by the experiences that I had on that first trip you know I got to see a writer's round which which kind of made like a little light bulb go off of like oh this this is this is a thing you know you can you can write songs and then, you know I just I got more of a grasp of what was going on and then to see Vince be at the Opry I kind of got a, like a a taste of you know, more of like the artist performing side of it. And I was like, Oh, I want to do that, you know? And so, um, and I've like since gotten to like work with and meet Vince and like, actually like this year, um, which is just like a massive full circle moment for me. I have a photo with him somewhere from that trip. Um, I don't, I don't know if I would have stayed. I was still like very, obviously very much a child, (laughs) um, but like very invested in like, you know, I, I don't know, probably not. No, I wouldn't have stayed. I would have just waited, which I did.
0: Yeah, exactly. And when did, like, when did the switch go that you knew Nashville was the place you were going to go? Was it even before that first trip?
1: I don't think so. I think it was kind of that trip that, that like made me become like, hyper-focused, borderline obsessed with the idea of being in Nashville and and doing this, Um, and then I kind of, like, I struggle, and I don't know why, but I struggle a little bit to, like, remember the small details of it all. Um, At some point during my freshman year of high school, I brought it up to my mom and my parents, like, hey, I want to, I want to quit school and go to online school and I want to move to Nashville. And I don't really remember like my thought process, like leading up to asking my parents that, but I know that I did, you know? <laughs> so after I decided to like leave school and go into online school was kind of when it was like full steam ahead, like I'm I'm going, which I was only like 15 and I made it to Nashville and was in Nashville full time. By the time I was like, about
0: to turn 17. Wow. And so looking back on that journey, being so like you say, hyper obsessed with this idea of being in Nashville and and doing music. When you look back now, do you feel like you missed out on some parts of life that you wish you maybe would have focused on more like high school and time with family that maybe you missed during that time of your life?
1: I feel I don't have like regrets, you know, I, I think that like, I'm where I'm supposed to be, but I, and I don't even necessarily like, if this makes sense, like, I don't think, like, I don't think about the things that I missed out on, but I kind of feel them sometimes. Like I feel the lack of experience in certain areas of my life. You know, I feel like someone who didn't complete high school in a normal way and spend those extra four years with their family and didn't go to college like I I feel that you know and that those time periods in like a young kid's life like bring a lot of development um so in some ways I'm like and I don't and this kind of like leads to like a sort of a different conversation but like during the pandemic when everything stopped I was, like, I felt all of that underdevelopment, if that makes sense. Like, it's, like, it all came rushing back of like, all the parts of myself that I hadn't, um, gotten to know or something. And so it's taken, I feel like it's, like, I'm on this artist journey and this, like, creative journey, but I'm, like, also on this other journey of, like, like, giving myself and, and, and teaching myself all the, all the other parts of myself and like learning what I like to do to have fun and, and other things that make me happy besides this career and stuff like that. So, so yeah, I I do feel like I, you know, like someone who chose to, who chose a career at 15 rather than than what other 15 year olds choose for themselves.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I was gonna ask you about 2020 because of that journey of leading up to 2020, you were an artist and that was your mindset. I am an artist. So when 2020 hit, was that a difficult thing to figure out who you were now that you couldn't identify as an artist?
1: Yes, even if I didn't necessarily know what I was feeling or what was, going on with me. I, I, I now know that it was the inability to do what I had identified with my whole entire life and had worked towards becoming my entire life. And I think that to, to a, to my own detriment, I had told myself, and this sounds extreme, but it's almost like my life begins once I'm an artist, once I am fulfilling my desire to be an artist and I am making a career out of doing this, then I can, then I can figure out the rest of myself. You know, like I, I, I know I'm, that sounds like extreme, but I know that I'm not alone in that, like within people that have committed a lot of their life to kind of like an artistic, creative career. Um, so yeah, I just, On one hand, like I had been going and doing and, and focusing since I was so young that like, I feel like my body almost just kind of like shut down a little bit during when the pandemic started. And I like one half of me was like living my best life, doing nothing. But then the other half of me was just like raging with anxiety and, and, and confusion, you know? So it was a lot. It was like a lot for me. I have like, it was really good for me, but also just like, I'm still kind of healing from, from the, like the, the kind of like mental struggle that, that kind of like set into motion for me.
0: Absolutely. And I think I saw at one point you talk about sort of your past mindset of once I get a record deal and once I put out music, then I'll be happy. That'll be the point that I can be happy and the sort of dangerous things that that can create. Because once that comes, then it's on to the next thing. Oh, once I get this other thing, then I'll be happy. So, how important is it, especially in a musical career, to not have that mindset of, I need this to be happy? Well, not even just music, but in life, to not focus on what I need to be happy, but to be happy in the present?
1: Yeah, I think that is the only way is to like be present. You know, you can want things and have goals for yourself. I I really should be speaking from the eye. I don't like to like speak for other people. I can want goals and like have things that I want to accomplish for myself and within my career. But like I think it's almost like not that I've lost any like desire to like do this and reach the level that I want to reach, but like I just fully kind of reckoned with the fact that like this could not happen for me you know I I could very well like not not play Bridgestone like I've always wanted to play Bridgestone you know and like I have to still live life and like have a life and be alive you know and so that's kind of like that's what I'm learning to do right now like I'm honestly still like so in the, in the depths of, like, all of it, trying to, you know, because I'm so happy that I have music out finally, and that I am actively being an artist, but I, I think that I kind of have been going through, and, and I, I honestly, like, in the last couple of days, have felt kind of on the other side of it, of, like, this post-release kind of, like, blues or something you know like i you i people don't really talk about like when as an artist when you are planning on putting music out and you're working up to releasing music you have something to do kind of every day you know like your team's calling you being like you're approving or at least for me when i want to be involved in everything you know i'm when working up to that ep release there was something to do that filled my days every day. You know, I had to work on something and then you release the music or I release the music. And, you know, it's kind of like everything just like goes, you know, like, and although, and your job then is kind of like now to like make it appear on social media as though you're like really busy and everything's going amazing. And like, your filling your days are filled with, like, so much, and, like, <laughs> and it's just not, it hasn't been like that for me, you know, like, I'm, I'm going on the CMT Next Women of, to- Women of Country Tour in September, you know, and I release my project at the end of April, and it's kind of, like, I'm, I'm kind of left to, like, make TikToks you know like I, and and I know that that's like part of my job but I I really love the the process or I I've, I've come to find out that I love the process of like working up to releasing the music and like all this, all the creative stuff and all the videos and like and then I I just never thought about after the fact or I did but I just I had never experienced the after effects and I know that I guess once you become a more successful artist, your time becomes filled with more stuff. But when you're a baby artist, I feel like there's a lot of like time when you're just kind of alone, you know? And like, at least for me, I guess I just have, have struggled a little bit with like, okay, well what now, you know? Yeah. And so I, 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 yeah, I just, just to be completely like transparent, I've been kind of in like a weird place since I released my project because I, I just, you know, it's just a lot on a system to like feel like you're like climbing this mountain and then like the mountain and like you see a whole nother mountain, you know, it's just, that is this career. And I think I've finally gotten to the point where I understand that. Whereas like maybe when I was younger, I didn't know that that's like the process that it's literally like up and down and up and down. And right. When you think that it's happening, you have like a billion more miles to go. Um, Sorry, I'm just ranting, but that's kind of like where I'm at right now, what I'm going through.
0: Yeah. And there's, so there's two things I kind of want to unpack from there of sort of conversations I've had with artists in the past. One I had the other day is sort of that mountain analogy, in that at one point he felt like he had got to the top of the mountain because he was now a full-time musician and didn't need a day job, but then he looked out and saw a whole bunch of other peaks of mountains that were left to climb, and, and that's like this journey. And then also within the sort of the anticipation that comes with releasing music or a big show, I was talking to someone who played the Opry, and she mentioned that the anticipation was amazing. But then once she played in and she was backstage, like it was a low because it's like, well, what now? Now I've done it, but now what?
1: See, I think that's the, the dangerous part about this career choice is like, you, we all want the moments of, you know, the highs. And then, you know, I think I, I read like John Mayer talk about it one time about what it's like for him coming off of tour and right. your life going from like being like praised every night by thousands, and sometimes millions, like of people. And then you just are like by yourself in your house. And even on like a small, like a, like a, like a tiny scale, I feel like that's kind of what you i mean that's like a spectrum you know what i mean whether yeah. it's like you know like you just said like playing the opera and then you're backstage and you're like it's literally over you know what i mean and so i think that it could be talked about more about like the the reality this like the reality of this career choice you know of being an artist and like what that actually looks like um I saw something on Instagram the other day and it was kind of like you have to like if you're if you're an artist I feel like in in any respect like you know like any kind of artist like you kind of have to be like a warrior you know like you have to to be willing and prepared to like and and like yeah just aware that like it goes like this and then you drop And then it goes like this and then you drop. And I just, I think we all want so badly the highs that we just don't think about the lows. You know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot. Like it's a lot on your brain and on your nervous system. And like, it's just a lot. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. And so through the ups and downs, Nathan your boyfriend your producer your (laughs) co-writer your everything how important has he been to have within this journey do you think you'd be able to ride these highs and lows without having him there
1: I don't think so in like the last you know I mean we've been together for almost four years so and we 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 met we got set up on a ride together and just met and we're pretty much like dating like six months later. And then we cut this EP even before I got my record deal. So like, in some ways I feel like, like we got the record deal and we put out the project and I know that it's me, but like, he is like, like at some points has just been (laughs) holding me up. You know what I mean? Like we're like, we're best friends, you know? So yeah, he has been my, I, I have, I have, so many people that support me, but like, since like, I'm, I'm with him every day, you know, we're both, uh, creative, so we don't have like normal jobs. So like, we're quite literally together every day. And yeah, he has, um, been there through all of it, you know? And, and I'm really thankful for that. I think that is like the, most important thing I think I'm learning that like support and people that will like even when you don't believe in yourself will continue to believe in you my booking agent Lenore like saw that I posted like something sad on Instagram the other day and just like called me and just like you know literally gave me like a 45 minute just like I'm not I'm not I'm never leaving you you know I believe in you and I will you know just just like people that when they see that you're kind of down or whatever, they'll, you know, like inject some, some positivity into you. I think that like, that's the most important thing. And then also like just becoming really per like personally resilient. Like, I think that, and this is a privilege to say this, that I haven't and hadn't experienced that much adversity in my life. You know, like everything up until the pandemic, and not getting to release my music, and you know, kind of like the all the struggles, like mentally and everything, that that kind of like set into motion. Like before that, everything was going pretty great for me. <laughs> you know, like I, I, and I understand that, like that's such a privilege. So a lot of there is this tiny part of me that thinks, like the universe, may be just like this happened, like my career, kind of like. And I know that so many other people's did too. But like, I feel like something that I'm choosing to like see as a lesson is just that I needed to become a lot more resilient emotionally, mentally than I maybe was before. And like, I'll never become like jaded or hard or like, I'm I'm literally so sensitive. I'm so emotional and so sensitive, but just to like have a little more like, just a little more like left in the tank, you know what I mean? To like keep fighting for myself. It's really hard when like, you don't, you feel like, and you feel like, like everyone else is doing the cool things and you're not, you're not there yet. And like, it's the, com- the comparison, the comparison game in this industry is like, is dangerous. At least for me, it has been. So yeah. I don't know. I'm just ranting
0: again. (laughs) No, no, I love it. Absolutely. And so there's two things I want to talk about your label and also social media. So let's start with your label and going into that you signed in February, 2020, or that's when you announced it anyways. I know the process is long, but going into that, you had dreamed about that since you were 15 or 16, you're going into this, what was the process like of ensuring you didn't just jump into something because that was your dream, but you did it right. And you did it for you. What was that journey like in signing eventually with big machine?
1: So I, I, I already had my project, my EP. Um, I, I had had like, kind of like a year before I signed a, my record deal, a record deal. I had kind of like had A&R people kind of reaching out to me and and, kind of asking me what was going on. And I actually told like a lot of people like, thank you so much for like the interest, but I'm not ready. Like I don't have the songs yet. I don't have the music yet, but like, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll call you back when it's ready. And so from my, I I've said this a lot, but my turning point was kind of like meeting Nathan and writing those songs and, and finding someone that I felt like was, was what I wanted as a producer. And so after we, Finished the project. I basically called all the A and R people back that had reached out to me before, and I rented a, like a studio in East Nashville and had like a cheese plate for everyone, and just kind of like had had each kind of label and A and R person that had reached out to me back to listen to my project and said, "Here, I'm I'm ready now. Let me know what you think." And it um, kind of played out to where I had two options, and I. Um, felt like and, and still feel like Big Machine was like the best option for me. Uh I I have been like this is this is kind of like a random funny fact. One of my best friends like since I've been like 13 works at Big Machine, oh, okay. which is just a weird coincidence. Um and I've been like going she's been like sneaking me into like the Big Machine CMA after parties since I've been like 13 was like the first time I went to one. So I feel like like big machine has always kind of like floated in the air around me a little bit. And so when, you know, I met with Scott and I feel like both of us just felt like, um, I don't know, the energy just like felt, felt right. You know, and I went in and I did the whole like conference table thing. They're sitting right there two feet from you pretty much. (laughs) And, um, and I just, felt like it was between the options that I had, like it was the right decision for me. So I feel like the, the process of like signing a record deal, my, you know, after dreaming about it for so long was, you know, at least the first part of the process was kind of what I thought it would be. And I really like have fond memories of it.
0: Right. And so when you look at that photo of you sitting at the table, with the label group and the contract in front of you, when you look back on that from two years ago and look to the person and artist you are today, how have you grown and how have you evolved? Do you feel?
1: So much, first of all. Um, I mean, physically, I like, you know, I had leech blonde hair, you know, I had been, that was like, my hair is a weird, like my hair journey is like weirdly, uh, represents like my my the the whole journey i've been on like i started this whole thing with bleach blonde hair and like this is my natural hair color like i have dark curly hair oh, okay and i had been bleaching it since i was like 12 or 13 and so that like to me i had like been kind of like trying to doing things to change who i was since i was 13 you know and so when i look at that picture of me Signing, there's a part of me that like feels like that. Like, I, I, and I think I've talked about this before, but like, I had really like exercised this like ability to just perform, you know what I mean? Like, in every aspect, just like outside, I looked really confident and like was saying things that made me seem confident, but on the inside, I'm like, oh my God, did that person just think that what I said was stupid? Like just, you know, like insecure, like really insecure. I still, I still am like pretty insecure, but now I don't see that as something that's, that I have to be like ashamed of, you know? And so I just, I think, I honestly think that like, if I would have put out music and like released it at that time, like I one, I would have gotten maybe stuck with like an image and being someone that wasn't really who I was, and that, like, and gotten stuck presenting myself as this thing, and and in a cycle of feeling something completely different inside. And so now my mission is kind of like, I know that a lot of people use the word like integrity, but like when I learned what like integrity meant, like literally being integrated. I was like, it blew my mind, and so like now, like my whole thing is like, I just want the outside of me to match the inside of me, and that might mean like, like being—I don't—it—it looks a lot different, you know what I mean? It like might be me just like not able to act like I feel secure that day or whatever, but I think that that's like the better way for me to be. That leads somewhere better you know, that doesn't lead to like a breakdown. So when I look at that picture of myself in that photo, there's a part of me that's like really like proud of that person. Like I'm really proud of myself for, for getting there. You know, like I, I do feel that now. I feel like a lot of artists feel like it's hard to be proud of yourself. You know, you walk off the Opry stage and you're like, well, what next? But like, I I must learn to like, to, to feel good about the things that, like, I have accomplished, so I feel really proud when I look at that photo, and then, like, also, I know that, like, I've grown so much more, and I do feel, like, a lot more ready for, like, the, the process of being an artist, because I really do, like, want to have a long career, and I feel like I'm the, the, I feel like I have it in me to, like, always to to recreate myself over and over again. You know, I really look up to like artists like Miley Cyrus who have like, even if it's not your thing or someone else's thing, like I love how she just like continuously reinvents herself and just like becomes the next version of herself. So I feel like I'll probably be doing that for a long time.
0: And so within the new EP and making sure you celebrate it, but also looking on to the next chapter, are you looking at what is next and what your new music will sound like and what direction you're heading?
1: Yeah, I have I have written new songs. You know, I've written new songs that I really like. Um, the conversation kind of about like cutting new music is one that I'd like, like to have really soon. I think that once... Um, you know, kind of the next thing on my list is like the next Women of country tour and just kind of like getting out in front of more people. And I think that, like, you know, I, I never want to just like put music out just because, like I want there to be, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but I want there to be almost like a a demand for. and I want there to be like a place, a place to put it. And so I think that like, I'm just going to start writing new songs and keep writing new songs. I'm working on getting into a new publishing deal, which will be like my first publishing deal or my, not my first, my third publishing deal, which is like exciting for me and feels like new energy. And I think that like, I'm really excited for my next music, whether that's, I really hope that it's like an album. Like I've always wanted to put out a freaking album of, like, however many songs I want, you know what I mean? Yeah, At exactly. 12, you know, maybe 14, who knows? And I want... My EP is very me. Like, it is very much me. It is very much, like, um, musically me. But But I feel like I'm ready to show and to let people in on, like... Like... My EP kind of the the goal with my EP was honestly like to get me a record deal. Like I just wanted something undeniably good. And like, here is, I I mean this so humbly, I really do. But like, here's six bangers, sign me. You know what I mean? Sign me up. So for my next thing, I just want, like, I want to be able to, to, put out songs and, and like, like I wrote the song about my childhood and like, I want to let people in on like who I am, you know? And that EP, the EP is like really about like love and, um, you know, they were like cherry picked songs of what I felt like were my best songs. And so I really like look forward to being able to like put more of my and cut more music that feels, um, that I get to like tap into like my my songwriting and like the songs that I feel like showcase me really well.
0: Right. And do you feel that's being lost a bit? Because like you say on an EP, basically they have to be bangers because you have four or five songs. You're not really telling a story. So, but on an album, you're able to tell that story. So, so do you feel like in this day and age when it's singles and EP driven that we're almost losing that ability to storytell within the music?
1: I I mean, I think so. You know, when you only have six slots to fill some, you know, the slot that it becomes like the stakes are higher or something. And so I never want to like half ass something and think that like, and not put thought into something, but, but I, but I want there to be like a space that, that, It's allowed to like put a song on an album that like that maybe you know that like I don't know a you know, I I heard Adele in like an interview the other day was like, no, I'm like this album is for like 35 year olds that are going to therapy. Like I didn't I didn't write this record for like 12 year olds, you know? And so kind of like my version of that would be like, no, I wanna put out this song about like like my childhood and and like or how insecure I felt on this day and know that like maybe like a 20 I don't know eight-year-old guy that loves like baseball or something is not gonna love that song but it's still like I'm still allowed to to put that out there because I'm I'm the artist and like shouldn't it be shouldn't I be allowed to like put out whatever i want as an artist you know so i yeah. i do and i feel like as a listener like i've been listening to harry styles record a lot and i just like listen to it top to bottom and like there are songs on it that i like more than other songs but i feel like that's the point like the point is to like this person loves this song a lot and this person loves that song a lot like shouldn't there be like a wide range on a record so that you're more likely to like reach more people do you know what i mean yeah exactly yeah. I, I i i i'm like pro album
0: thank you once again so much for listening and thank you to abby for stopping by and sharing her story be sure to check out her debut ep hate me wherever you stream your music Please also be sure to check out our website, countrymusicmademe.com. There you can listen to all of our episodes and also sign up for our newsletter to receive exclusive content and also stay up to date on all of our upcoming guests. Just head over to countrymusicmademe.com and hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on any streaming platform. So if streaming is your thing, just head over to your favorite, search Country Music Made Me, give us a follow and maybe even leave us a review if you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you once again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on Country Music Made Me.